The Canadian men's national team is on the verge of qualifying for its second World Cup ever and its first since 1986. Progressing to the tournament would mean a lot for Canadian soccer and especially for this team's elder statesman, Atiba Hutchinson. Joshua Cloak is on the ground in Costa Rica with the team ahead of a big match that could seal the team's ticket to Qatar. And he joins us on the show to talk about all that, Atiba Hutchinson, and more. I'm Alex Abnos from The Athletic, and this is Soccer Every Day for Wednesday, March 23rd. First, though, your TV guide for today, as usual, all times are Eastern, and just like yesterday, it's a big day not only in the UEFA Women's Champions League, but also in the U.S. Open Cup. We'll start in the Women's Champions League, the quarterfinals, first leg at 1.45 p.m., Juventus versus Olympique Lyonnais, and at 4 p.m., Arsenal versus Wolfsburg. Both of those games are for free on YouTube via DAZN. And as I said, it's also U.S. Open Cup time, which means it's your chance to see some of these teams that you might not get a chance to see again. I'll run down all the matchups for you. All the games are on ESPN Plus at 5.45 p.m. San Fernando Valley vs. Escondido. At 7 p.m. South Carolina United vs. North Carolina Fusion. A little bit of a derby there. Carolina derby. Also at 7 p.m., Lynchburg versus Northern Virginia. 7 p.m., Ocean City Nor'easters versus the Lansdowne Yonkers or Lansdowne Yonkers, not the Lansdowne Yonkers. Apologies to that club. I like the name Ocean City Nor'easters, by, by the way. 7.30 p.m., Miami United versus City Soccer. 7.30 p.m., Western Mass Pioneers versus Brockton. At 8 p.m., Des Moines Menace versus Minneapolis City. At 8 p.m., Tulsa Athletic versus Azteca. At 10 p.m., Portland Timbers 2 versus Contra Costa. And at 10.30 p.m., Las Vegas Legends FC versus Park City Red Wolves. Okay, on to my conversation with Josh Cloak. All right, it is Wednesday. We went over the Mexico national team yesterday with Felipe Cardenas. And today I have on the phone with me Josh Cloak. Josh, you were in San Jose, Costa Rica to see Canada take on Costa Rica and maybe perhaps wrap up officially a spot in the World Cup, which I'm sure is pretty wild for you and a lot of other Canadian soccer fans to think about. D- describe where you are right now, Josh. Yeah, and you're right. It sort of defies belief. Just even you saying that out loud that, you know, you're in Costa Rica and, and the goal is not just to eke out a draw and stay alive, but the goal is to to get a win. Um it's it's surreal, you know. Just I, I think you could ask anyone that's that's kind of followed, been around the men's national team for a long time. Um, I am currently on a hotel balcony overlooking the national stadium in San Jose with some mountains in the background, um, and I didn't have to bring my long johns, so it's a nice little uh, change of pace <laughs> from from Canada. Um, but you can already see. You know, people um, hanging their their Costa Rica jerseys up for sale outside the stadium. And you can, you know, on the flight down, people were kind of asking me about the national team. And then in the airport, people were telling the group of journalists that all flew in together that Canada's unbeaten run would end here in Costa Rica. Um, Because this is a a massive game for Costa Rica too, right? They're they're fighting to to get that fourth spot. Um, They're in a must-win situation. So... I guess you could say you're, you're, you're definitely feeling the sense of anticipation, you know, a little bit more than right now, 48 hours before kickoff. 
Yeah, and uh, a big part of sort of the 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 specialness of the moment, as you mentioned, this isn't some this isn't a position that Canada men's soccer has been in very often. Uh, but there is a player on this current squad that has been around for all of the bad times and now officially part of the good times. That player is Atiba Hutchinson. You have uh, a story out uh, along with Dan Robson about Atiba Hutchinson today. It will be linked in the show's description. Um, and it's, you know, it's all about how uh, Hutchison has sort of, I don't know, persevered through all, all the rough times of, uh, of Canadian soccer. Uh, what did you find out in the course of, rec- of reporting the story um, that maybe surprised you or that you didn't expect to find out? Because I think anybody that knows a little bit about Canadian men's soccer uh, knows about Atiba Hutchison. Well, I think what I learned is just how close uh, Atiba Hutchison was you know, was to walking away from the national team for good. I mean, he had essentially done that when they were eliminated from the 2018 World Cup. I mean, by that point, he'd already been, he'd already made, what, 80-some, almost 80 appearances. Um, And his most famous games were more associated with embarrassment and defeat, right? 8-1 to Honduras um, to, to not qualify for the Hex. And, you know, the list goes on and on. And he had kind of, he wasn't really involved um, when Octavio Zambrano was the head coach. Uh, but what I learned was that it, it took a very emotional phone call between him and John Herdman um, to get him back into the squad. I mean, when John Herdman takes over the team in 2018, you know, he, he's excited by the prospect of coaching teenagers like Alfonso Davies and Jonathan David. Um, but what, you know, John Herdman realized is he didn't have enough of those 30 plus 30-year-old veterans that could kind of be that that kind of guiding force that, you know, bring that kind of sage wisdom. And at that point, Atiba Hutchinson had just undergone ankle surgery. He, he couldn't walk very well. He was a little more focused on his career with, with Beshitash. And, and he, you know, he, he couldn't handle the long flights back and forth. And, and perhaps more than all that, he couldn't handle the fact that Canada just had not gotten behind the men's national team. They were an afterthought. They weren't written about. They weren't talked about. And when they were talked about, they were talked about in kind of, you know, a, again, in an embarrassing manner. Um, and, and that's something that Atiba Hutchinson spoke very frankly about, you know, and you're playing for your country, but your country isn't behind you. Um, and I think that's something that weighed on him a lot. But it took a, you know, a bit of persuasion from from John Herdman, which, of course, is, is one of his strong suits. Um and, you know, Atiba Hutchinson was given the freedom to kind of come back because John Herdman recognized how much he'd given to the program. And so he comes back slowly at first, you know, doesn't really play a lot from 2019 to 2021. But when he does come back, boy, there was a lot of new faces on that squad that really learned a lot from him. Alistair Johnston being one of them, Kamal Miller, a lot of those kind of defensive types needed that kind of calming presence. And I think, you know, his influence can be seen in this qualifying run when a lot of those players went down to Honduras and El Salvador for the first time. And those were nervy moments for those players. But I had multiple players tell me that, you know, you look up the bus, you look down the dressing room at Atiba Hutchison, he's not phased at all. And they, that, that resonates with them. They're not phased either. And I think that's a big part of why this men's national team has kind of succeeded against the odds because they've gone into those difficult you know, setups and, and, and they've gotten results, right? 
Yeah, I, I should say so. They're undefeated in the octagonal so far with seven wins, four draws, and zero losses. And as you mentioned, this game against Costa Rica is a huge one because Costa Rica has a lot to play for as well. However, uh, with a win and a draw and some other things going their way, Canada would officially wrap up qualification for the World Cup, which leaves two games potentially, you know, one or two games here at the end of the window where that are, they're not exactly dead rubber games. I'm kind of curious how how you think Canada could approach the last two games or the last uh, game if they manage to qualify early uh, from based on their results and others. Two schools of thought, right? You could go into that, like, let's say you get the results um, in Costa Rica and then you get another result in Jamaica, right? And you're free and clear. Um, you could go into that final game against Panama and kind of reward some of the more of the bench players, right, with a, a longer run. You know, I'm thinking of the Lucas Cavallinis, the Liam Frasers, um, those type of players that have kind of been more bench players but have still been there. And John Hurtman spoke this week about the importance not of necessarily bringing in dual nationals and young players that are on the verge of breaking into the squad, but more so players you know, the importance of players that have been there since 2018 and kind of rewarding them. And he used the word loyalty a lot, which I thought was interesting. So that's one school of thought. You could go about it that way, you know, against Panama. The other school of thought, and I think it's probably the more prevalent one, is this team wants to win the group. And this team wants to win out because they know if they do that, they gain more points in the FIFA rankings and they give themselves a better shot of getting into pot three. Um, that would potentially give you some easier matchups um, in the actual World Cup. And again, I have to stop myself because it's just, it's surreal that we're even talking about Canada trying to get in the pot three. <laughs> but right. th that, that, that's, that's a focus for them, right? Is, is winning out and winning the group and doing everything they can to, to get into pot three. Uh, because this is a country that is still without a win or a goal scored in the World Cup. So any chance you can give yourself to, to do that is important. So I think that's, that's, that's a real focal point for this team. I'm not sure which way John Herdman will lean. Um, I guess it will depend on how those first two games go. Uh, but it will be interesting to kind of watch out for. Uh, in case anybody's unfamiliar what we mean when we talk about pot three, the way the World Cup draw works uh, basically, all the best uh, teams in the world are put into pot one. They're arranged by FIFA rankings. So the first bunch go into pot one. The second bunch, according to ranking, go into pot two and so on and so forth. And basically one team from each pot goes into each group. So you have in any given group, one team from pot one, one from pot two, one from pot team, one from pot four. So uh, being in pot three definitely like make, makes it a little bit easier potentially to uh, to have an easier group. Josh. Uh, I know you'll be doing a lot more for us from Costa Rica and in their remaining games uh, when they host Jamaica and travel again to Panama. Uh, thanks so much for your work and uh, we'll, we'll talk to you again soon. Oh, anytime. Talk to you soon. This show is produced by Mike Zimmerman with help from John Hayes. You can get ad-free versions of the show by subscribing to The Athletic, and you can subscribe for $1 a month for six months by going to theathletic.com slash soccer every day. Thank you so much for listening, and happy soccer to you all.